Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. And good morning to our church family in Philadelphia and online. Come on, let's clap for everyone in Philly. God bless you guys. Praise the Lord. I'm so, um, I'm so like revved up to, to talk to you today. We started a series last week titled Keep Us in Step. It's almost like a prayer. You want a, you want a great prayer? You want a, a, a godly prayer? Pray this all the time. God or Lord, keep me in step with the Spirit. How many want to be in step with the Holy Spirit? What was really cool is that um, after last week when I talked to uh, a different people, um, kind of in my circle on staff, and um, we were saying that a lot. It's like, oh, I had a moment when I was not in step with the Spirit today, or, or uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to stay in step. There's something so wonderful about living your day out with the awareness that you could really be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to remember that, that um, this passage of Scripture we're talking about, we're speaking from Galatians chapter 5, this passage of Scripture actually uses the most simple, the most basic kind of function of life, which is walking, to describe what your life, if you're watching online, anybody in, at Philly, Everyone here, remember what the Bible is saying here. It's like the most simple, basic thing that we do. We don't take walking for granted. We thank God for the strength to walk. How many would say amen? But it is a very basic function of life. And here's what the, what the Lord is saying. Here's what the Holy Spirit is saying through the Word of God. He's saying you can be that close. If you will lean into me, I will make it that simple. It's hard. It's hard because we live in a world that is adversarial, and in our nature, there are things that are adversarial, you know? And so I'm going to jump right into this because this, there's a lot to really unpack here, and I, I can't emphasize how important this message is. The purpose of today's message, in part, is for you to understand uh, um, kind of like the challenge of walking in the Spirit. Why? Why is, is it so challenging? So let's go right into it. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16, says, So I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary. This is key. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. I've got this underlined. <clears throat> they are in conflict with each other. 
They are in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. So here's what it's saying. I'm going to keep reading in a moment. But what it's saying is it's, it's possible to have two things going on at once. It's possible to have um, uh, uh, like an internal struggle, a spiritual struggle, a mental struggle, an emotional struggle. It is part of life. So we had some sound challenges today. Uh, and it's, you guys don't know, but you need to be really grateful for the people who lead us in, in ministry here. How many would say amen? So you see this young lady, she has this thing in her ear right there. And, uh, and, and they have to be led by God and try to lead us and focus on Jesus. But actually in her ear, there is, there are voices, there's a click track. There's a thing of tick, tick, tick. And this is the way they stay on beat. Like there's like all of these things going on in their ear. And yet at the same time, they're reaching out to God and they're trying to, to stay in the spirit while the demands of the natural are upon them. And... Um, and sometimes it's not that easy. Have you ever had a day when you really wanted to serve God and yet everything around you and even things inside of you were like, like there's this in incredible pulling and struggle going on? And can, I, can I see your hands? Okay, some of you, you're so walking in the spirit, you just, you just floated into church. <laughs> so I'm not preaching to you today. I'm talking to the rest of us. And so this is, this is describing, it says they are in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. And then it says the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, this is very important, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So part of what the Apostle Paul is saying, he's explaining He's explaining the fact that we will experience a conflict inside of us. The title of today's message is The Conflict of Walking in the Spirit. The Conflict of Walking in the Spirit. And what he's saying is pay attention to these things because if you do, you miss out on the inheritance of what's available to you. You miss out on the possibilities of what is available to you. And I want to explain this a little, just give you one little quote before we pray. Today's message is a sober message, but I want everybody to smile at me. Just come, give me a smile. Okay? Because how many would agree that truth should make you happy? Because we know the truth and the truth sets us free. How many are grateful? Come on, put your hands together. The truth sets us free. So come on, I need you smiling in Philadelphia. Amen. 
And we're going to, um, we're going to look at this kind of, we're just going to examine these things so that we could learn and become spiritually aware. But look at how Warren Wiersbe describes what, what, what the Apostle Paul is, is outlining here. He says, just as Isaac and Ishmael were unable to get along, so the spirit and the flesh, the old nature, are at war with each other. By the flesh, of course, Paul does not mean the body. Listen closely. <clears throat> the human body is not sinful. It is neutral. If the Holy Spirit controls the body, then we walk in the spirit. But if the flesh controls the body, then we walk in the lust, the desires of the flesh. The spirit and the flesh have different appetites and this is what creates the conflict. If there's only a body and no spirit, and, and which means that the body is dead, right? I mean that the person is dead. Guess what? The body's not going to do anything sinful. But it's when the spirit of man is in the body. It's when the mind of man is in the body. It's when who we are in our fallen state without the help of God. When that person is there, then guess what? That man... The old man, the fallen man inside of us will bend towards the carnal appetites. And so you, that's why you, you can't punish your flesh into being godly. You have to walk in the spirit. Some people try to punish their flesh throughout history People have tried to, there were people who would whip themselves. It's because they didn't understand Galatians chapter 5. You, you've seen some, and there were monks who used to wear these braces uh, around them and they would dig into their leg. And every time maybe they had a sinful thought, a lustful thought or something, they would tighten it to try to punish themselves. But Paul is saying here, you cannot punish yourself, beat yourself. You can't even, quote, train yourself out of the flesh. You have to walk in the Spirit. And so, so but the thing is, is walking in the Spirit is possible. Living a godly life is possible. Jesus died so that you could be so close to him. Jesus died so that we could have fellowship with him all day long. How many would say amen to that? Hallelujah. And so I want to pray right now as we start to unpack this. And here's what I want to pray. I want you to pray, God, give me the mind of Christ. Give me the, the perspective of, 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 of the Bible. Help me to think biblically. Help me to, to enter into the realm of the Spirit. No excuses. Everybody say no excuses. No justifications. You get it? In other words, let's look at this. It is what it is. And there is a way for us to walk in the Spirit. And when we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I'm here to declare to you that God wants you to know that you can walk in victory. 
If you're watching online and you're on the struggle bus in a particular area and there's a, there's a, next, there's a kind of an energy towards self-destruction and self-defeat, uh, you, you're sabotaging your own life. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is the helper and the helper is here and the helper is here. The helper is here to help you walk in the Spirit and walk in victory. So come on, lift your hands with me. Come on, one church in two cities. Let's lift our hands up to the throne of grace and say, Father, we are ready. God, we are ready to walk in the spirit. Lord, we believe in your word today. God, we will not be discouraged as we look at the fallen nature because Lord, we lean on the spirit today, God. Help us to walk in the spirit, oh God. Help us to walk in power. Help us to walk in victory. We believe it is possible. And it's as simple, it's as simple as walking. So God, I pray for every person who hears this word. And God, I pray, Father, that this would be a season when we, we in some cases, walk in the Spirit and in other cases, get to the point that we want to be totally in step with you. Do it, Lord God. Help us to experience the wonders of your inheritance. Help us to experience, oh God, the fruit, the blessings of our, our inheriting the kingdom of God. Some people want to inherit the things of this world, but that's not us. We want to inherit the kingdom of God. So bless this word, bless our time. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, come on, let's clap to Jesus for his goodness to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so the first thing I want to do is, again, I really want to explain a few things about the flesh here. So what is the flesh? Uh, uh, the flesh denotes the, the mere human nature. It, it is just your human fallen nature. The earthly nature of man apart from divine influence is the key. It's apart from divine influence, therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. So I heard a theologian put it this way. If you put a bucket of oatmeal and a bucket of raw meat in front of a lion, what will the lion choose? The raw meat, because he is carnivorous. His nature is to eat meat. You understand? And so when we don't have, when we don't have divine influence at work inside of our spirits, our hearts, our minds, our emotions, even our physical bodies, when that's not happening, then our natural nature goes towards the meat of sin. Okay, that's the way it is. But praise be to the living God. We have been born again. I hope you've been born again in this place. And when you are born again, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We have a new nature that has come from on high. And consequently, we can walk in the Spirit. So it means not the mere sensual desire of the physical nature, but the desire which is peculiar to human nature without the divine Spirit. 
So the key is, and this is why Christianity is so different. I say this to you all the time so that when you're sharing your faith and you should be sharing your faith, there are dozens of reasons why Jesus is not only the only way, but the best way. Because let's take this right here. If you have parts of you that keep bending towards the wrong thing, even though you want to do the right thing, even the Apostle Paul said, sometimes the very thing I want to do, I don't do. So if the Apostle Paul had a fallen nature, how many know we all have a fallen nature? But only in Christ do you have his spirit inside of you conquering and taking authority over your fallen nature so that you can walk in the spirit and walk in victory. There's no other philosophy. There's no other religion where God actually comes to live inside of you to help you experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's for next week. You get it? So this is an amazing thing, an amazing gift from God. He doesn't just tell you what to do, and and, and, uh, he doesn't just tell you what the rules are. Our God actually comes and lives inside of us and helps us with every step of every day if we lean on him. Anybody thankful for Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Come on, say amen. So in this passage, when we read through, the, through the, the works of the flesh, the sermon is not about the specific works of the flesh, but I want to point something out to you that I, I think is very important. So uh, most commentators or theologians, they kind of categorize the works of the flesh into, they put them in three different categories, right? First, there's the sensual sins, sexual immorality. That means sex outside of marriage. Like that's a, that's a classic example. Sex is a gift. Sex is not dirty. Sex is not bad. Sex is a gift from God to all human beings that when you get married, you get to experience that kind of bond and intimacy and uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with sex, okay? However, there is a misuse of it that becomes hurtful, detrimental. It, weakenings, it, it weakens our, our moral capacities and our abilities more and more. And so there's s- sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, drunkenness, orgies. By the way, I do want to say something here about that. We live in a day when young people say, well, look, I don't need to get married. If I love someone, you know, well, if you love someone, then your love ought to be permanent. How do you define love? Love for a weekend? You know? Well, how did you feel if somebody loved you for a weekend and then dropped you? Okay? We're not talking about, about trying on a new set of iPad, uh, earbuds. You know, that girl's not an ear, but that guy's not a, he's not a set of headphones. You understand? But see, we listen to the things of this world and we reason things. So this message is not about that, but I could talk to you and give you six different reasons why. Like, you ever, I'll never forget when Oprah Winfrey, I'm just pausing because You might think I'm going to say something slightly negative, and I'm not. 
You know, I remember when Oprah Winfrey did a show on children of divorce. And these people were crying. You know, divorce hurts. And if you're, if you're divorced here, there's no condemnation. That's not the point. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say is, is love and the permanence and the level of intimacy that love really should be, uh, uh, um, should carry and be expressed. It is a big deal. Could somebody please say amen with me? It is a big deal. You know, and we can't belittle things that God says, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. We've got to think biblically. Because in the end, it causes hurt and pain. So these are the sensual sins. Then there's the religious sins, sins of idolatry and witchcraft. This includes the, uh, uh, what do you call that when you read the newspaper and it's Virgo and all that? Horoscopes and Ouija boards. And uh, like I was in, not too long ago, I was in a, a in New Orleans, and there were these, it was crazy to me. Like there were these uh, ladies, I saw mostly ladies, but they would, sit, they would sit behind a desk and people would come and they would do the tarot cards, except that the ladies looked absolutely miserable and destroyed by life. They were like this. I'm like, I'm gonna get advice from this person? What are we thinking? You're going to go into a dark room with skulls and all of this craziness to get advice for your life? Madness. We're going to get to that in a moment. You'll see. But there are all kinds of spiritual things that people do, superstitions. And uh, I was taught a superstition when I was a kid. If, if you don't want it to rain, I used to do this, uh, especially on Friday nights, because I want to play baseball on Saturday. So if you fill a cup of water and you turn it over on the thing, if the water doesn't come out, uh, uh, then it's not going to rain. I did all that craziness. And you should think of 10-year-old me, and when the water spilled out, I was on fire, man. I was just, I wanted to throw cups out the window and at the wall and, you know, getting upset with the cups because it's superstition. Okay, and then lastly, social sins, which I want to take the opportunity to point out how many social sins there are. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. And isn't it interesting that the, 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 when the Holy Spirit inspired the expression, explaining of what the, the works of the flesh are, most of them are relational. Most of them are relational. The way we treat one another is a reflection of whether we walk in the Spirit or not. Our general disposition towards people is a reflection of whether we walk in the Spirit or not. Now, I do want to just say one quick thing, and I, I don't, you should look these up. You should read a little bit and, and get an understanding of what all of them mean. But I recently have started, I'm like crawling through a book written by the Italian Shakespeare, Dante, Dante's Inferno. I'd never read it before, and I'm literally crawling through it, reading a couple pages. It's this magnificent literary work, this poem. And um, so Dante's Inferno, I'm going to give you uh, uh, just like one quick explanation of it, is he gets this kind of vision or he visualizes hell. 
And in Dante's Inferno, there are different, there are literally nine levels, but they fall into categories. And, and in it, there are these three creatures. Each creature is kind of like masters that, the, the, that realm or that level. And so the first is a she-wolf, and she's over the, the, uh, uh, the level of, of indulgence, which is more like that sensual level. And so interesting, interesting, in med- medieval times, and other people have looked at this kind of, if you go back hundreds of years, they made the sexual sins um, less uh, uh, horrible, right, than other sins, okay? When they scaled sin, he said, he said the first layer of hell is, is, is the, the layer of indulgence. The second layer is the layer of violence. You know, when you think about wars and rumors of wars and, and, and you think about all of the physical harm that takes place, the physical abuse of the dark world that we're talking about, um, um, you know, I, I like, like uh, think about, you know, children being abused, you know? So, so in that realm, the lion, there's a lion. So it was a she-wolf, a lion. The second layer, you know, maybe halfway down, this is one of, an artist's depiction of in Dante's Infernal of the different layers of hell is violence and the lowest layer, in other words, the darkest hell, this is the way they would describe it, is the leopard. And the leopard um, ruled over the realm of fraud and malice. Of fraud and malice. And so it's an interesting thing because I feel like in our culture, we have, at least in the American culture, we have a propensity to shame, you know, people who get caught, like uh, uh, um, people who get caught in, in sexual sin or people who get caught in, in let's say, uh, uh, um, like drug addiction. And, and like, it's easy to look at people whose life becomes scandalous or shameful and say, oh, those people. So you might ask the average person, um, you know, uh, are you ready to meet God? Well, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm not a drug addict. I don't steal from people. I don't do the terrible things that drug addicts do or, or I don't take advantage of people. When a person is saying that, you know what they're doing, right? They're scaling sin. Okay. Now, what I found interesting in our country, if you're violent, you get the supermax prison, right? But blue collar sins, you get a much nicer prison, right? So blue collar sin, you get a much nicer prison. But he spends the whole, a, a good part of the book uh, um, highlighting the fact that the people who um, use their reason and their intellect to defraud and deceive, right, are the most wicked. It reminds me of a common, t- uh, co- uh, uh, man, this sounds like a lecture more than a sermon, but stick with me, okay? <laughs> it reminds me of, um, I, I heard 
someone commenting, I, don't, I, I can't quote it off the top of my head, but they, they were talking about Hitler and they, they were saying the real engineers of the Holocaust, where it was not the soldiers, even the generals. It all really started in the academies because the philosophers, the intellectual uh, 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 leaders of the time, they validate all of these different things. They ignore mo uh, 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 morality. And so, for example, when we have college professors and they're, they're saying there's no such thing as sin, and they're saying there's no such thing as right and wrong, and when we have world leaders saying, I do what I want and I say what I want, and when we have people in power, people with the possibilities to do something great and do something good, and they bend towards selfishness and deception and they take advantage of people, what, what he was saying here is like those people, their sin is greater, okay? Now, why am I saying all of this? I'm saying all of this because all throughout history, human beings have a propensity to scale sin. And it is a very foolish thing to scale sin. What we tend to do is we tend to maximize other people's sins and minimize our sin. So if you're gonna walk in the spirit, I just wanna give you this piece of advice. Don't scale sin because here's what the Bible says, right? The Bible says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Okay, so just because you don't battle with drug addiction, don't look down on the drug addict. Just because you don't battle with pornography, don't look down on the person who struggles with pornography. Because if you battle with pride, or if you battle with deception, or if you battle with jealousy, gossip is just as dirty, just as vile as any sin that you could list. How many would say amen? Some people get angry about prejudice. Prejudice is pure sin. It's the sinfulness of man. It's the same exact thing. Why are people racist and prejudiced? It's because they're scaling people. And whenever you scale people or whenever you scale sin, you're putting yourself in the good spot and you're putting other people in the bad spot. And that is nothing but pure foolishness. It's pure foolishness. Are we not brothers and sisters? Should we not love one another? Who cares what color someone's skin is? How ridiculous is that? But the fallen nature will look down on people. You see? So it's, it's so funny, because I, I told you guys I grew up in a house where there, there's there's Cubans in my family, green eyes, blonde hair. Then I've got other Cubans as dark as you can get, you know? So it's like, uh, uh, hi, hi, black uncle. I never said that. <laughs> Just my deal. You know? I never woke up, my mom was dark. I never woke up and said, hi, black mom. <laughs> She's just mom. But see... Our culture 
is sin sick. What's important though is that you as a child of God, listen here in Philadelphia, if you're watching online, when you have the mind of Christ, you look at life differently. My prayer is that even as I'm talking to you, and I prayed today, you know when I was praying, at the, I came in early, I was praying at the altar, I was like, Lord, let your word heal people today. The Bible says he sent his word and he healed them. I'm praying that God would heal us of perversion, of, of, of reason and, and logic, you know? So there is, there's, there's only one church. There's no white church or Spanish church or black church or Filipino church. We are one church. Now I understand that there's a context where people group together. I would love, I want to start a Spanish church by the way. We've got tons of immigrants coming from different nations. They don't speak English. Let's meet the need wherever it is. But, uh, but let's pray for the Polish church. Let's pray for the black church. Let's pray for every church. We are one church. Somebody say amen. And so it's very, very important that we see things. See, if you don't think biblically, Okay, you can't walk in the spirit. And so I, I was praying that I was talking God would heal us of thinking, you know. Like I, someone said to me one day about a particular leader, I can't love that person. I was like, how could you not love that person? Jesus died for that person. But not that, what that person stands for. Oh my goodness, what that person stands for. No way. That is not the heart of God. Jesus died for that person. You know how I know? And you know how I hope he died for that person? Is because if he didn't die for that person, what hope do I have? Because the Bible that I read tells me that my sin is just as dark. Can I tell you something? Preaching is not just humbling, it's humiliating. Okay, uh, forgive me for getting personal here, but, but do you recognize we serve a holy God? This isn't a dog and pony show. We serve a holy God, and we have a fallen nature. You know, I gotta, I gotta call Chrissy sometimes and say, honey, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I gotta say sorry to staff members. You know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do not fall into the foolish trap that says your sin is less sinful than somebody else's. And if we thought that way, I'm going to tell you, there's like a wave of humility that comes into the mix. You know, and you're like, have mercy on me, Lord, I'm a sinner. Now, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Makes better sense, doesn't it? Could we praise God for the merciful Savior that we serve? Come on, put your hands together. So I, I say that to set up the, the unpacking of the rest of this message, but it's very, very understand, uh, important for us to understand. Yes, there are different sins, and we all have a, like somebody may not struggle with gossip, but they struggle with violence. 
Someone may not struggle with violence, but they struggle with gossip. They can slander people. You know, in the eyes of God, it's all just sin. And by the way, here's the last thing I'll say about this. By the way, if sin is never in the, the, your sphere of thinking, then you have been secularized by this world. If everything is a sickness, if everything is a root uh, um, from childhood, if everything is, is A and B and C, and you never call sin, sin, you have been secularized. You have been, you have bought the, the lie that says that there is no such thing as sin. You see, the people who say there's no such thing as sin, they also say there's no such thing as a savior. But how many know we need a savior? And the savior has come. And his arms are open wide to the angriest, no matter what, you can push your hands at God like this as much as you want. But just one moment where you say, I need you, Jesus. He's right there. He's right there. Man, you guys are going to go home saying, what a fantastic, happy sermon. <laughs> right? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so now that we've laid that down, right, I want to then really kind of break down the conflict, okay? So uh, the conflict is all about what realm you choose to live in, and what I'm going to do today is I'm going to use Psalm 1 because I believe that Psalm 1 actually visualizes the two realms for us. I see Psalm 1 as a visual Galatians 5. Okay, Psalm 1 is like a visual, a pictorial Galatians 5. So we're going to, I'm going to read this to you uh, very quickly here. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step. Isn't it interesting? You can be in step with the Spirit or you can be in step with something else. Right, so blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of the mockers. But whose delight, everybody say delight, it's all about where you find your delight. Okay, there's two realms. It's all about where you find delight. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is, everybody with me, like a tree. Come on, how you doing? I'm like a tree. We gotta bring, I'm bringing that series back, right? So, like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. So there's the realm of the, of the flesh, where you keep in step with the, 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 the issues of the flesh. We'll break that down real quickly. And then there's the realm of the spirit, which is where we're gonna land today. So let me, so it's, and it all depends on where you delight. What delights you? 
Are you delighted by your appetites or are you delighted by the kingdom of God? Are you delighted throughout the week by, by, by the word of God and, and the spirit of God and knowing God and then experiencing life through, through the will of God? Or are you delighted by your own pursuits, your own desires, your own preferences, and on and on and on? That's what Psalm 1 is, is visualizing for us. So let's see how Psalm 1 visualizes the realm of the flesh and I think this is really powerful. Blessed is the one who does not want, does not, number one, walk in step with the wicked. Okay? Now, when the Bible talks here about walking in step with the wicked, it's talking about walking with the purposes of the wicked. Okay? It's, it, it talks about, it talks about uh, uh, heading in the direction of the wicked. The wicked have their own purpose, and that purpose excludes God. The purposes don't care about God, and you can walk in step with the wicked. You could, you could be on, without even realizing it, you could be on a wicked mission. Okay? And so there, there are, the, the, you know, and life is complicated. I was thinking, I met a guy once many, many years ago, and I, I, it's not clear to me, but I met a guy once who gave his heart to the Lord, and then we were talking. I, he either sold tickets at a porno movie place, or, or he sold something at another, like, really awful place. And I told him, quit your job. He says, but I got to make a living. I said, in this case, it's better to be homeless. And let me tell you something, if you take steps to get right, God will come and God will help you and God will bless you and God will prosper you. Don't serve the purposes of the wicked. So, so watch, so uh, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, same wording as Galatians. Then it says, or stand in the way that sinners take. So when you stand together, this speaks of positioning. So as we're talking about the mind of Christ, sometimes we don't realize it, but we get unholy positions. Like some of us, you grew up in families. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Some of the positions that I, that I grew up with, and I had a great mom and dad, but they, were, they did not serve God. They did not honor the Bible like that. And they did a lot of great things. But the truth of the matter is, you know, especially on my dad, my, you know, my dad just had a lot of like not godly positions, you know? And so you have a choice to make. You have to recognize when you become a Christian, even, even breaking agreement with family traditions if you really love your family, break agreement with positions that don't honor God. Because if you take a different stand, you never know. They may look at your stance and say, that's a better stance than my stance. And they come on over to Jesus. And isn't that the point of it all? Come on, somebody say amen. But we have to analyze our positions, and I'm telling you right now, I have the confidence that as the weeks unfold and you're having uh, um, exchanges or thinking or processing, the Holy Spirit is going to say, now, whose position is that? Okay? So, so let the Holy, invite the Holy Spirit 
to talk to you about certain positions. There are positions that we take, especially when it comes to cultural issues. If the world can take a lot of positions, if they are not godly, do not stand with the ungodly. How many would say amen? So the lastly, it's sit in the company of mockers. Now when you sit, you're like reclining, you're resting. Don't rest with the mockers. It's interesting because a mocker is someone who doesn't really care about what's right or what's true. They're like, ah. And so it's saying, look, don't, don't sit and chill out with the mockers. Isn't it interesting? Part of the reason why I just said a few moments ago um, don't scale sin because you know what mockers do? Mockers belittle sin. And mockers sit in judgment all the time. You ever hear of the seat of judgment? Mockers sit in judgment of other people. You understand? And so, so the, the realm of the flesh has to do with purpose, position, and resting. Purpose, position, and resting. And you can know if you just take the time to ask God and look at the word. You can know if you were in the flesh. I was driving yesterday. And I, uh, uh, I was talking to Pastor Tim last night. I was driving last night. And um, by the way, I appreciate all the amens today. Your, your support is fantastic. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I know you're thinking. So, so I, was, uh, I was driving and I was talking to Pastor Tim about something and a guy cut me off, right? I mean, he like, whoa. And, and I was so happy because I was like, whoa. But that's all I said. <laughs> and Pastor Tim heard the godliness in me. Whoa. <laughs> you know? It's like the next time you could just go, whoa. You know, makes me think of my dad when my mom would do things that were frustrating to me. He would go, gracias, Fidel. <laughs> yeah. He would say, I came to, in Spanish, I came to this country and this is what you gave me. <laughs> right? So. When you're in the flesh, when you're in the flesh, bottom line, the Holy Spirit is not driving the car. If they could send a, play something on the keyboard for me. The Holy Spirit wants to drive the car of your life. The Holy Spirit wants to help you with your positions, with your steps, with your walk. The Holy Spirit is a helper. He wants to help you. How does God feel about you? He wants to help you. That's what he wants. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he wants to help us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to empower us. And then he wants to use us. How? Like a tree. God wants to get you to the, to the place that when the storms, his leaf does not wither. It, uh, uh, um, it, no matter what the season, God wants to make you fruitful. No matter what the struggle, God wants you to be like a tree that stretches out and bears 
bears fruit and people can come in your worst moments and they pluck the fruit from your life and they're so inspired to serve and live for God. Godly people are powerful. Godly people are wonderful because they make you want to serve God. You know, when I first went, I went to Bible school in like, I don't know, 1990, I think, I went to Bible school. And, uh, and one of the teachers there, I think he's gone home to be with the Lord. His name was, uh, is, uh, Professor Shufflet was his name. I never forgot him. And he battled with, um, he had some kind of, I think it was a lung issue. And I'll never forget when I first got there, and I was studying the Bible, and I knew I had, you know, I was reading books, and I, 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 like, I thought I had it going on, you know what I mean? And I'll never forget meeting Brother Shufflet, because he was so godly that every time he would look at me, I just felt rebuked. <laughs> I couldn't look at Brother Shufflet. You know, and he was, so, he was so sweet and so kind. But this, you want to talk about carrying the anointing of God? He'd just look at me and be like, oh man, Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus. A godly person is a powerful person. Powerful, no matter what your position is. You know, these, these politicians are not powerful not more powerful than a godly person. Godly people affect eternity. Politicians affect the next X years, amount of years. So here's what the Bible says about the realm of meditation. Okay? It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord... Right? There's a different realm. It's the realm of meditation. The realm of meditation is where you learn how to walk in the Spirit. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates everyone day and night. So this speaks to what I'm going to call the cycle. We're going to end here in a moment. The cycle of meditation. Okay? How do you learn to walk in the Spirit? Right? How do you learn? Well, here's what happens, right? Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Anybody here love the word of God? Amen. Amen. You're on a good track. Philadelphia, you got to love the word of God, right? So whose delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, always, always attached to the life-giving source. Right? So how does that happen? So watch, look at this image. That's the word. The word goes through your eyes and into your mind. You could also take it in audibly, but, but, uh, um, but the typical way is the word goes into your mind. From your mind, it goes into your heart. From your heart, it goes into the mouth. From your mouth, it goes back to God. And then it happens all over again. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So you have a meeting tomorrow with someone who is not nice to you. You have a meeting tomorrow 
uh, that's going to be full of conflict and difficulty. Maybe someone's after you, but you could get a, a, a promise from God. You could get love your enemies, you know, and um, and you could you could uh, love your enemies, and, and you could meditate on it and get it into your heart and say, Lord. I believe that there's a grace, Lord, that, I got my eyes closed because I'm meditating, right? I believe that there's a grace, Lord, that can make me love people who hate me. Give me that grace. Give me, your word says, love your enemies, right? So, so Lord, I believe that that's possible and I pray it back to you. Then, then maybe God brings another verse. You love is the most excellent way. Oh, Lord, the most excellent way for me to handle this meeting is to walk in love and to, and to feel love. And all of a sudden, you get in this room and this person is whatever they are, and you are different. You are different. You know, and you can respond with the authority of God and you can respond with the love of God and you didn't get in the flesh because someone else did. You know, the other day, uh, um, Chrissy told me this. She was, she was uh, at a parking lot and, and um, a person went by and when the person went by, the person started to pull out. And then when the person started to pull out, that person stopped and started to back up. And so the person pulled out and the lady backed up. And like, you know the rule is you pass by the spot, you, you, you missed. But the lady backed up and she got out of the car and she came up to Chrissy's window that she had her signal on and she cursed at Chrissy. So Chrissy parked the car and she went over to the lady and she said, ma'am, was it worth it to say something like that to someone you don't even know over a parking space? You got the parking space. She said, but do you realize that when you say that to people, how hurtful that could be? And then the lady went, well, well, you know, you know. And, you know, there's different ways to respond to people in the world, and I, I, I believe that that woman felt like Chrissy didn't come at her, she didn't yell at her, she was like, man, you, you can hurt people by saying stuff like that, you know? It's like, there's a big difference when you're in the realm of meditation and when you're in the realm of the Spirit. How many would say amen? Amen. So look, today we're gonna take communion. And I want you to get ready. And Pastor Josh, you can move in. In a moment, we're going to take communion. But, but I want to I close by saying two quick things to you. First of all, in the top of Galatians, look at what the Apostle Paul said to really anchor this point. Could you put up uh, when it talks about persuasion, right? Next slide. Look. In the beginning of Galatians chapter 5, and this is going to help us, this is going to help us take communion. It says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of everyone, 
Persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. One more slide, okay? Sometimes I have so much stuff, I just have to cut it because it spoke too long. But listen, I want to, there is a competition, right? Listen to this. The Weed Science Society of America hosts an annual agricultural competition, okay? It's the College Weed Contest. And here's the key. They need to be able to recognize weeds when they're tiny, because when they get big enough that anybody can recognize them, it's too late to do anything about them. So one of the reasons why we take communion is because the blood of Jesus can, can burn out the weeds. The blood of Jesus comes and cleanses us of all the stuff that we haven't been mindful of. And then as we start to walk in the spirit, we start to step in and I, we can easily identify demonic suggestions. We start to see things that, that, that come at us and things that are not of God. There are things that are coming at you right now even that are not of God. And, but when you, the more you stay in the realm of the spirit, the more you start to understand the more you can tell the difference between light and dark, between truth, love, and hatred, and all of those things that we don't want any of that in us.